Robot, and I am here with the lovely and beautiful Angie Viper. Hi. Angie, want to say what, <laughs> what do you do? Why don't you tell the people what you do? Um, so I guess you could uh, call me an, an artist of many trades. I am a uh, cosplayer. Um, I dabble in modeling, um, but I would not by any means refer to myself as a professional or even necessarily amateur model. Um I am a costume commissioner, uh, so I, that means that I take uh, full-time commissions for uh, handmade costumes for people. And um, I am also a makeup and hairstylist and a party performer. <laughs> nice. Uh, can you, for the people who don't know what the word cosplay means, can you define that? Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, so cosplay comes from... A blending of the two words costume and play. Um, And it is the idea of, you know, basically just dressing up in a costume as a character that you love and going out and having fun and playing as that character. Um, And typically you see it mostly at like comic book conventions, anime conventions, um, and, and gatherings where there are a bunch of people in whatever geek community or fandom um celebrating their geekdom and people dress up and that's that's it (laughs) (laughs) okay how did you get started with this like what got you interested in cosplaying and designing cosplays and such um so i honestly never really saw myself going down this path um so i started out cosplaying when i was Thirteen, I think. Fourteen, maybe. Uh, it was two thousand, and I was really, really into anime at the time. Um, Sailor Moon, Card Captor, Sakura, like the the works, Pokemon, um, and I you know, the, the internet was becoming bigger and like search engines were becoming a thing and like Ask Jeeves had just come out and I spent oh, a lot of that, right? Like, this is a long you, time you ago. You mentioned Ask Jeeves and I'm like, wow, that's what takes um, But uh, search engines were becoming a thing and you could now search for things that you were interested in. Um, so naturally I started out searching for the animes that I was really into and um in looking up photos of those characters I started coming across photos of people dressed as those characters Mm -hmm. and I was like hold up so like for Halloween and shit you're not like obligated to wear a party city costume like you can dress up as any character um and I started pursuing it a little more and discovered that there were conventions where people got together and like talked about anime and shared their love of anime and bought anime and watched anime and i was like how do i go to these magical places um discovered that there was one actually no that was after that was after my first cosplay um 
So I, I found out about the conventions and I thought that the only one that I could go to was this one in like upstate New York or New York City or whatever. Um, and uh, I decided that since I couldn't go to the convention, I wanted to just dress up. Mm -hmm. So for Halloween that year, I went to my mom and I was like, hey, so I want to dress up as this anime character. Can you help me? And my mom was like, okay, this stuff's still like, fine. What what is it? (laughs) Um, So we picked out a design and she helped me make the costume and I wore it to school for Halloween. I ended up winning the uh, costume contest. So screw all of you stupid school jerks who made fun (laughs) of me while I was walking around all day because I won that shit. (laughs) Um, and in walking around, I had one or two people come up to me and they were like, oh, hey, is that card captors? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it is. (laughs) Sakura. (laughs) And they were like, oh, that's so cool. Do you go to Icon? And I was like, what's, what's that? Um, and it turns out that there was a convention that was held at the local, um, Convention center, or uh, no, no, it was held at the local community college in oh. their gymnasium. Like oh. that's how <laughs> that's how teeny tiny this convention was. Um, but I didn't care because they said that there was anime there, and I was like, "Why well, I have to go?" Um, so I I went to Icon that year. My mom put a bunch of stipulations on it, you know, and was like, "Well, you have to go with your friends." And like my boyfriend at the time was a little older than me, so she was like, hey, "You know, you have to go with your boyfriend and like, you know, you a couple friends and like I need to know that like you're gonna be safe because mm-hmm. I don't know what this is." Um, so I went to my first convention and I dressed up and I loved it. I Aww. had never. You know, I was I was shy and awkward as a kid and and growing up in high school is is a weird awkward time for everybody, you know. So, I of course was no exception as the only white girl in school who watched anime. Um everybody else was Asian. <laughs> yeah, I, I had I had the same thing in high school too, so I get you. Right, and like I joined the Asian Culture Club cuz I was so into anime and like Asian culture and and stuff and I was the only person who wasn't Asian. Um, and everybody made fun of me because I didn't have any, like, normal friends as far as, you know, they were concerned. Um, and I went to this convention and everybody just accepted me with open arms and people were coming up to me and recognizing the characters I was dressed as and wanting to talk about these series. And I was able to walk through this amazing sales hall where they had things that I'd never seen before. And they had all of these beautiful art books from series and, and shows that I'd never seen and costumes. And, and it was just this amazing, inspiring, positive place where I felt accepted Mm-hmm. for the first time in my life um and I you know I, w- I went away to college a couple years later and unfortunately wasn't able to attend conventions but uh I rejoined the community about five-ish years ago or so maybe six mm-hmm. years um and I was unemployed at the time and was like I need something to inspire me to get out of bed in the morning and yeah. I remembered how happy and inspired I had felt when mm-hmm. I was cosplaying back in high school. So I decided to pick the hobby up again, and that created this insane snowball effect that ended with me, you know, where I am today and taking commissions full-time and and loving my life and just which, sewing all the time. <laughs> which is actually pretty fantastic. Not many people have the that ability to, like, do something that they love creatively mm-hmm. full-time. That's really amazing. And that that's like, oh... That's, that's <laughs> living the dream. Yeah. 
Um, now, did you learn how to sew when you were younger, or when did you start practicing? Not really. Um, so my mom and my grandmother made... I'm Southern, so um, we they made a lot of my clothes when I oh. was a kid. Um, I don't know if anybody else knows that, but that's a pretty common thing in the South, is like you're, you know, the women in the family learned to sew, and they make sundresses and things for the new kids in the family. Um, so my grandmother made me little sundresses and my mom made me little dresses and hats and bows and things. Um, and I always thought it was just the most amazing thing. I would sit there and watch her cutting patterns and like go to Joanne's and help her like pick out sewing patterns and prints and fabrics. And, you know, I just thought it was so incredible, but I never thought that it was something that like I could do, Mm -hmm. you know? So in high school, when I was, when I was starting cosplaying, I was like, mom, you do it. Like, I don't understand what this is. And she made me help, but most of my helping was like hot gluing things on at the last minute and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Uh, So when I, I rejoined the community a couple years ago and started making costumes, I didn't know anything. I had, I had never sewn anything on my own before. I had done, you know, maybe a couple stitches under my mom's supervision on a couple costumes, but, um, start to finish doing something by my own two hands never I had never done anything like that before oh wow where how'd you learn how to do so like um internet or did you Uh, take a class I honestly just taught myself really um I I don't really know how to describe it and this is gonna sound probably really weird and like new agey and shit but it just kind of spoke to me Oh, you know, I, I just yeah. kind of connected with the fabric and the patterns in the sewing machine, and I just figured it out. And when I didn't know how to do something, I would try and find a sewing pattern from Joann's that I could kind of, like, look at what the shape was and, and figure it out from there and, you know, pieced patterns together to try and create the looks that I wanted. And, you know, it, it really, for the most part, was a trial and effort, mm-hmm. or a trial and error where, you know, I'd, I'd make something, and then I'd look at it, and I'd go, okay, what's wrong with this? And I'd go, X, Y, and Z are, are wrong. Okay, how could I have done this better? You know, and that's how I've learned fabrics to work with, and, you know, uh, photography is a big part of cosplay, so, like, keeping in mind what fabrics look good in photos and what fabrics don't and what fabrics look good next to each other and, you know, what patterns are flattering and what patterns aren't flattering and, you know, how to fit something properly on a body and using a dress form. And, you know, I have a serger now and learning how to use that. And I've got an embroidery machine up there that I'm like, eventually I'll figure out how to use, but we'll (laughs) see what happens. Uh, would you recommend this techniques to people who would like to like design cosplays or sew cosplays, or would you recommend like taking a class? Or um, I mean, uh, from what you've gathered, maybe like from other people, or just you know, I I honestly would say it kind of depends on the person. Okay. Um, because I've known oh. some other people like myself who, you know, just kind of figure it out and we're like it just makes sense, you know, yeah. and I just do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've had some people who I've met who try the same technique and they're like, yeah, no, I mean, like, how hard can it be? And it's like two, three years in and they still are making the same mistakes over and over again. And I'm like, maybe you should take a class. Okay. Like, I don't, 
if if you want to figure it out yourself, like, you know, more power to you. But there are there are definitely some cases, I feel like, where you're going to get to a point where you can't figure something out or it just isn't making sense. And that's the point where, you know, you want to go seek out assistance. So if it's, you know, if sewing is something that's very interesting to you, but you look at a sewing machine and you just like burst into tears because you don't understand what in the world this is and how it works, I would say maybe go take a class. Like there are places that offer free classes or cheap classes, you know, 15, 20 bucks for, for a beginning sewing class. That's good to know. You know, I, I would recommend starting there or if you're, if you're someone like me who's just like, you know what? I think I got it. Go for it. Yeah. You know? That makes sense, actually. Um, now, how did you start um, modeling your cosplays? Or, like, because, I mean, yeah, you now have a great following um, on social media. Um, how did you, how did that all start? Um, <clears throat> well... The cosplay community has changed a lot since I first started mm-hmm. cosplaying. Um, back in 2000, the internet wasn't very big. There were no social media sites. There were no, like, sharing sites or anything like that. Um, so, like, you know, they, it was unheard of to have, like, a following as a cosplayer. Like, nobody knew the names of any cosplayers. You just, like, were a person who went to a con in a cosplay. Mm-hmm. Um and uh rejoining the community i was shocked by how dramatically it had changed in those few years that i had been out of it mm-hmm. with the onset of social media sites and facebook and twitter and and instagram and tumblr and and all of these sites now where like there are cosplayers who were like damn near household names now Um, So it kind of, unfortunately, at this point, comes with the territory. Um, It's Well, it's a double-edged sword, we'll say. Um, It kind of comes with the territory now that if you're a cosplayer, and particularly if you want to try and transition that into some kind of career, you need to be on social media, and you need Mm -hmm. to be putting yourself out there, and you need to be representing yourself in a way that people are going to want to keep coming back to you. Um, and it's one of those things that I, I never really thought of before I ended up in that position Mm -hmm. I was just like, I'm just going to cosplay whatever I want. I don't care. And then I'm like, okay, I want to start selling commissions. I'm like, oh, well, like maybe there's not a lot of people that want to buy this particular character because it's completely unknown. And maybe I should like think about that when I'm putting myself out there. Um, and because, you know, you unfortunately have to worry about your numbers and whether people are seeing your work or not, because that's how you get more clients and that's how you make money. Um, you have to make sure that what you're putting out there is high quality, which means understanding your body well enough to know how to model Mm -hmm. and making sure that your costumes are quality enough that, they're going to showcase your talent well and working with photographers who know what they're doing behind a camera. Yeah. Um, and it again is something that I, I never would have thought of 
16 years ago because I just like rolled up in a costume and my mom would take pictures before I left and like that was it. And now you go to a convention and if you're trying to transition that into a career, you have to think about like, okay, am I doing photo shoots? Am I meeting up with photographers? Am I getting photos of my costume back? You know, am I handing out business cards? Am I all of, all of this crazy stuff that, you know, it cosplay is a great hobby and it can be a great hobby. And if, if you want it to just be high and like, honestly, cosplay is still a hobby for me and mm. costume commissions are my career. And yes, the two blend together a lot, but you know, you, you can be a cosplay hobbyist and you know, you, you don't have to have them be the same thing. I don't know if I'm, like, making sense it with actually, the point it, that I'm trying no, to no, make. It, it actually, <laughs> this actually makes uh, plenty of sense to me. It's like, they're, it, they're connected, but commissioning is definitely your career. Exactly, exactly. Because, like, mean, cosplay is not a career. No. It's, it, it's just not. It's a hobby. For, from what I get, it seems to influence, like, have a great mm-hmm. influence, because it, it seems like it's getting you the numbers, which means more people want to come yeah. to you. For, like, oh, I want to get something by Angie Viper. I, I, she, she looked great in that. Um, one good example is your Elsa costume. I want something like that. Yeah. So it's a way to... Uh, yeah, exactly. So it's it's a good way to market yourself. But, you know, there's, there's a large misconception these days with the onset of social media um, that you can be a cosplayer as a career. And that's that's not the case. There are maybe two people that have made that profitable, and they they make their money doing other things. Mm-hmm. They make their money by being guests at conventions and by backing products and by selling their wares at conventions and and things like that. Um, and people don't see that; they just see, oh, here's this person with a hundred thousand followers on Instagram who doesn't have a day job. So like. It Clearly, has. they are a professional cosplayer, and that's not how it works. That's that's not really how it works. Uh, that's interesting. It's interesting. It is interesting because I've heard people say, "I want to be a professional cosplayer." It's like, well, there's, and l- like you, I've heard there's more to it than that. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, uh, what is a typical day for you in terms of like uh, doing commissions? Like, um, do you have like a set schedule? How do you? Um, yes and no. Okay. Um, so, uh, one of the decisions that I made for myself when I started this path was I didn't want to treat it like it was just like, oh, some fun thing and like, <laughs> I don't have to go to a day job. So like, I'll just sleep in and like work on what I love and no big deal. And I, you know, I, I made the decision for myself, like, no, this is my career. This is my job. I'm going to treat it like a job and I'm going to treat it like I am my own boss because I am my own boss. Of course. Um, so a typical day for me, I wake up at seven 45. I work out around eight. Mm-hmm. Um, I eat breakfast. I respond to emails. I, uh, update my social media. I, you know, post new listings on Etsy, do a little cleaning around the apartment. And, and uh, d- but just to stop you, is Etsy your main way of um, having people come to you to get commissions? Or um, it's one of two. Oh, I'd okay. say I about I about evenly get commissions through either Etsy or through uh, direct email. Oh, okay. 
Um, so I have my, my direct business account, and then when people come to me through that account, I typically work through PayPal. Okay. Um, so those those are the are the biggest avenues I'd say of of where commissions come from. Okay. And I I didn't want to have too many different options than that because I felt like that was just going to get too overwhelming and confusing. Yeah, I just wanted to ask that just for more clarity. But uh, continue. Totally. Um, so I I do all of that until about noon, twelve thirty. If it's a really busy day, I've got a lot of emails to respond to or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I start sewing. And I sew until about three when I take a break for lunch and then I keep sewing and then you know my roommate gets home around seven and I'll take a break for dinner and then I keep sewing and you know some nights I'll I'll stop at seven and like hang out watch a movie have a drink play some video games you know whatever if I if I feel like I'm at a point where I can do that um but if I'm looking at the work that I had to do that day and I didn't meet whatever quota I had set for myself that morning, I'll keep working until 11 and then I'll go to bed and then I'll start the day all over again. Hmm. Um, but I definitely feel when you are self-employed, I think that having a schedule is like the most important thing that you can can do for yourself because it's so easy to fall into the trap of, you know, oh, I don't have to worry about it because I'm just, like, at home all day. I'll mm. do it later. Um, and that that can destroy you. Because I, like I said, I was unemployed for a while a couple years ago. Um, and uh, I started cosplaying and I started listing stuff on Etsy and I was taking commissions then as well. Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand what my what my work was worth. I wasn't mm-hmm. setting prices appropriately, you know, and I, I wasn't really treating it like a job. It was just like, oh, this is a great way to like get an extra 200 bucks every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And I would wake up whenever and I would watch some TV and then maybe I'd take a shower and then maybe I'd start working and I'd kind of take my time and maybe I'd take a break to like pick out a movie and spend like half an hour doing that, you know, and I was very leisurely about it and it, it didn't work because I, I didn't treat it like it was something that I really wanted Mm -hmm. and, you know, remembering that experience from my past moving forward into where I am now, I was like, okay, so I know that didn't work. Mm -hmm. What can I do differently? (laughs) Now, um, one of the tricky things I know with starting your own business is the fact that you are your own boss. You have to make all these decisions. What are, like, some things that you have to consider when making this business, uh, when starting a cosplay business? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I guess I, there were a lot of things that I thought about <laughs> going into this um and of course now that it's being asked to lay them out I can't remember what any of them were Mm -hmm. um one of the first things that I thought about was you know a a name for my business and a name for my shop so that I would have an overarching thing that still connected back to the quote-unquote brand of Angie Viper Mm -hmm. but was its own distinct thing so you know, there's Angie Viper, the 
cosplayer who makes costumes for herself and wears them to conventions and, you know, judges costume contests and sells prints and everything. And then there's Viper Creations, which is costumes that are made for other people. Mm -hmm. Um, So I can still use things that I've made for myself as a marketing tool to showcase my skills um, but Viper Creations focuses exclusively on, you know, things that are are intended for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I sat down and I made a list of all of the costumes that I had made that someone might want. And I found a bunch of photos for them and I made Etsy listings for all of them. You know, before I made the announcement that the shop was, you know, reopening and, and everything. Um, and I, I made all of those listings and I, I made a bunch of like spreadsheets for myself to keep track of, you know, the money that I was making to keep track of any commissions that I had. So like who they were for, how they were paying, how many payments have gone through, how much they've paid, how much they owe, what's the address it's going to, when did I start, when did I finish, tracking number, dates shipped, you know, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Because these are all things that you need to be keeping track of because, you know, you you need to protect yourself mm-hmm. as a business, you know, because you never know when somebody's somebody could come back to you, you know, and be like, oh, well, you know, I, I never got my package. When did you send it? And if mm-hmm. you didn't keep track of that, you have, you have no defense. You have no way to prove that it was sent to them. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not keeping track of people's payments, people could be like, oh, well, I sent you you know, the most recent payment, and you're like, well, you know, my PayPal doesn't say that, and they're like, well, you know, I did, so I don't know what you want me to tell you, but if you don't have tracking for that, Mm -hmm. then there's, you have no recourse, but to be like, uh, yeah, okay, I guess (laughs) maybe you did. Um... Another thing that I I have been slapped in the face with (laughs) recently um, is to make sure that you have a contract in place that you send to everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, And the the reason that I have had issue with this recently is um, I was in the habit of not sending that contract to friends. Mm-hmm. Because you know they're your friends, and you you know you want to give them discounts because they're your friends, and you know you don't worry about contracts because they're your friend. Why would they screw you over? And then something happens, and you have a falling out, and now you don't have a contract to protect yourself. Um, so working up a contract, I think, is is very very important to lay out. You know these are the options that I offer for payment plans, and like have those set and decided so people mm-hmm. can't come back and argue and be like, oh, well, I like to do payments in X method. You can go, well, you know, unfortunately, it's my policy to do them in these forms, so I, I would prefer to follow one of those formats. Um, and you have in there, you know, if if you're going to have a deposit, is it going to be non-refundable? Is it going to be, you know, 50% of 
the purchase and then you decide a percentage of that based on how much work has been done if the client cancels the order. What happens if they cancel the order? Do you get to keep the materials that you've purchased? Do they get those back? Do you get to, do you have the right to resell the costume if you've already started construction on it? Like you, you need to figure out and sit down and think about all of the ways that something could go wrong and prepare for them in your contract. Mm -hmm. So that then if one of those things goes wrong, you can go back to the person and be like, well, the contract that I sent you at the beginning of this project states X, so X. Mm -hmm. Um, As opposed to one of those things coming up and you being like, ah, uh, 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 shit. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Uh, how do you figure out pricing, like, um, on certain things? Because I know some people are like, well, I've spent this much, but does that seem like too much? Or, and, or they'll see... Um, I... At the beginning of this year, so up until 2016, the way that I figured out quotes for costumes was I would do a little bit of research for, like, half an hour... And I would figure out generally, okay, I feel like materials probably will cost me about 50-ish bucks, maybe? <laughs> and then, like, it seems like a fairly simple $300, I guess? Um, and I didn't, there wasn't really much, like, rhyme or reason to it. Mm-hmm. I would just kind of, like, come up with a number that seemed reasonable, and then I would pitch it to a friend and be like, does this seem reasonable? And they'd either go it seems a little high, or you're undercharging, or yeah, it seems fine. And I'd be like, cool, and then send it to the person. Mm -hmm. Um, Starting this year, and really trying to treat this as a legitimate business, I actually made up uh, formulas for calculating um, prices for my costumes. Um, So I have little spreadsheets and I save them for every single costume that I do a quote for. Even if the costume doesn't go through, I still have all of that. Um, And I have a ranking scale of what I call the difficulty factor. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a number covering any materials that I'm not charging for directly. Thread. Like, I'm just going to buy a big spool of white thread. Like, I'm not going to charge them for thread. And, like, horsehair braid or boning or, you know, eyelets. Things that I have on hand a lot of. Mm -hmm. And I'm not really going to be buying for a specific project. I tried to kind of compensate out for those in the the difficulty factor. So I've got, like, a rank for ball gowns. Because ball gowns, I'm like, okay, I know I'm going to need eyelets. I'm going to use a lot of thread. You know, I'll probably use some lace or trim or something that I have on hand. I'm going to use boning, which I know I'm going to have on hand. You know, and and tried to kind of compensate for, like, okay, well, obviously I'm not going to charge the, like, $3 for the pack of eyelets and, like, $4 for the like, boning and whatever, mm-hmm. because I spent that for everything. Yeah. So kind of combined up those, and, um, so I've got, like, wigs, ball gowns, child costumes, dresses, uh, 
spandex bodysuits and leggings, like th- things like that. Everything has a scale to compensate for those. And mm-hmm. then I have one column that's dedicated to materials that are going to be purchased specifically for this project. Um, and I f- sit and I look at the costume and I figure out, okay, I'm going to need this fabric, this fabric, this fabric, this fabric, this fabric. And then I do my research and I figure out how much that is per yard. I approximate how many yards I'm going to need to make that costume. Or I know based on my seller, like, okay, I'm going to need one yard, but they're going to make me buy three yards. So I need to compensate for that. And I calculate out all of the materials that I'm going to need. And it's, let me tell you, it's a pain. Like I've had some commissions that have taken me upwards of like an hour and a half to figure out a quote for. Oh, geez. Because you have to do all of this research to figure out what an accurate quote is going to be. And I know, you know, somewhere down the line, I'm going to get to a point where I'm just going to like, know, okay, resin is going to cost me this much, you know, uh, shoe of this shape is going to cost me this much, you know, this type of fabric is going to cost me this much, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Um, but for right now, I don't know all of those things offhand, so I have to do the research. So I do all my research, I calculate out all of my materials, I figure out what my difficulty factor is and add that in. Um, and then I figure out um, if there's any uh, driving that I'm going to have to do. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to have to go, you know, to the downtown fabric district to get fabric, I calculate it out. Okay, so miles from my apartment to the fabric district and back, and then the average for mileage. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is like 54 cents right now. And I calculate out that number and I go, okay, so now I've got this number of all of my like miscellaneous charges. And then I figure out an approximation of my time investment. Mm -hmm. And I go, okay, so like the bodice for this dress will probably take me about two hours, you know, cutting out all of the materials for everything is probably going to take me about an hour. The skirt is probably going to take me about two hours. You know, painting the shoes is going to take me an hour. So I'm at, you know, like seven hours of labor for this. Mm -hmm. And then I have my hourly rate and it automatically calculates, okay, sum up all of these hours that you've calculated out, multiply it by the hourly rate. And then I add up all of those three numbers. So my materials, my miscellaneous charges, um, and my labor, my time. I add up all of those numbers and I add 20%. Mm -hmm. And that is my quote. And generally, because I'm a nice person and I like more even numbers, I'll normally like round it to a number that makes more sense. Like with a five or a zero or something? Uh, Yeah. So if it's, if it's like, you know, 182, I'll round it to 180, you know, just... Can it, it's it's a little easier to calculate that way. Um, plus, it's it's added twenty percent on top of like the base for that anyway. So it's yeah, you know what's two dollars in the grand scheme of things. Um, but yeah, so that's that's how I I calculate out uh, commissions, and it's a pain in the butt. It really is, but um, it's worth it to know that I'm actually getting paid what's appropriate for what I'm putting in as opposed to just kind of guessing eh, guesstimating uh do you have any future plans for um viper creations 
Um, at the moment, honestly, it's just kind of keep doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a number of like geek fashion inspired lines that I'm looking to release. Um, so I'm I'm working on making connections with like uh, geek fashion shows and events and conventions to try and showcase those designs um, and get more ready wear stuff out there a little more. Um, but you know, in general, I I love what I do and I love making people happy. And as far as I can tell, I'm making people happy with what I do. So I I don't really see any reason at the moment to change anything. Well, um, I think it's time to wrap this up. Do you have any last minute advice? Um, my, my biggest advice and my kind of standby advice this year has been do what you love and invite positivity into your life and positivity will come, Mm -hmm. you know, good, good things will happen to people who are doing things that they're passionate about. And if, you have something that you're really passionate about and, you know, you keep putting off trying to do it full time because you're scared of money or, you know, whatever it is, you know, I, I really cannot recommend enough trying to get yourself to a point where you can pursue that because once your passion is the main focus of your life, it opens so many doors. And I, I've seen it happen, and I've experienced it myself, and I, I cannot express with enough enthusiasm that if you are passionate about something and you really put all of your heart and mind, body and soul into it, it will become successful, because there's no way that it can't. That's Actually, that's really good advice. Wow. <laughs> um, where can we find you? Um, so I am on pretty much every social media site known to man because I have to <laughs> under <laughs> Angie Viper. It's A N G I Viper, like a snake. Um, I'm on. Uh, I'm most active on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, and then I do have uh, accounts for Viper Creations on Instagram and Etsy. Um, and if anyone out there is looking for costume commissions um i am openly accepting commissions through either my etsy shop or angie viper creations at gmail.com nice this podcast is a part of the benview network you can find this and other podcasts like it at benviewnetwork.com <laughs>